The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. It's not only about you wanting the job, it's about seeing if you like who you're talking to, if you like the project you're potentially going to work on. It goes, it's like a relationship. It shouldn't be one-sided where it's like, please take me. It should be like, are you good enough for me? Hey Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Stacy, and I am the co-founder of the Business Casual Podcast with my younger sister. I wanted to jump in before I got into the interview just to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year. We can't wait for 2022 and all that, that this year is going to bring and offer. So I hope that everyone is safe and healthy. I hope you had a very restful winter break. I know my sister and I took a long break after the new year to just enjoy, relax, and really get all ready and rested for this new year. You're going to love this episode. Kelly is such an amazing guest, and we had such an insightful conversation surrounding her job at Marvel, how she got it, what the application process was like, and maybe the things you could do if you eventually want to work in production and maybe one day work for Marvel. So again, happy new year. Thanks so much for joining us here, and enjoy this episode. Have to start off this episode by giving a shout out to my little brother, Lucas, who has been waiting for a shout out on this podcast for a year and a half, but he is a huge Marvel fan and cannot wait to hear from today's guest. Today, I'm lucky enough to be sitting down with Marvel Studios Visual Development Coordinator, Kelly. Kelly has previously worked for Nickelodeon and DreamWorks and recently went viral on LinkedIn, which we will get into a bit later. Kelly, welcome to the Business Casual. How are you today? Thank you for having me here. I am doing great. I have my cup of coffee next to me. I got my morning stretches down. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. That sounds good. You had a nice morning routine. We were just chatting before the podcast started about the daylight savings, which when we were recording just happened. So we're both getting an, an extra hour of sleep, but with the clocks changing, caused a bit of confusion, but it's okay. We're both here now. <laughs> we're doing great. Yeah. It happens. I feel that. I feel <laughs> We're not the only ones. There's someone out there who's going to listen to this and be like, ah, yes, time is shifting. I am shifting. This is my life. So, (laughs) Exactly. Well, I got to start off with the perfect icebreaker question for you, and that is, what was your favorite childhood movie and or series growing Mm. up? My favorite childhood movie uh, is actually (laughs) Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which came out in 2001 I love that movie I watched it on VHS a lot and it was actually around the time when DVDs were coming out so I would watch it back and forth on VHS and DVD I I loved it um that would be my favorite childhood movie when it comes to animation but when it comes to live action it was Terminator 2 I watched it oh, as a good one. <laughs> I loved it. At the age of six, my dad was like, oh, yes, this is child appropriate. Um, it's always when my mom is like out doing errands. My dad's like, ah, oh, yes, I can enjoy my movies. My child won't remember any of these, but I remembered it vividly and I loved it. I was not terrified of it at all. <laughs> well, hey, it ended up being your favorite movie. So I guess it worked out. Your dad knew. He knew his daughter. He knew what he was doing. He knew it was going to be the perfect movie for you. <laughs> You setting me up. He was like, okay, at the age of six, we are mentally preparing you for how the world is movie-wise. He did a good job, so kudos to him. That's hilarious. I love that. Well, 
I'm sure all of our listeners are really excited to get to hear more about your journey. And I know I gave a quick intro to you at the beginning of this episode, but I'd love to hear in your own words how you would describe your career, your personality, and your passions. Yeah, so my job at Marvel, I am the visual development uh, coordinator, which means, um, well, at any studio, there are a bunch of departments that work on a film it's not like only one department works on the entire film it's kind of like an industrial line where you're handed apart you work on it and you push it back down or you push it down to the next department and sometimes it's pushed back up depending on what the situation is um but my and this was actually the same department i worked at at dreamworks it's where they pretty much hand the script to the artist or the director or the leads and they're like hey can you or the storyboards as well and they're like hey can you visualize what this is going to look like whether it's what the person or the character is going to look like what they're going to be wearing what their world is going to look like um what objects they're going to interact with etc etc so it's and that's pretty much the description of the department and my position is to make sure everything is organized, everything is prepped, and make sure everything is up uh, to par so it's ready to be, to be presented to either an executive or um, an art lead or the director. And um, it's an amazing job because you have front row seats to the thought process behind everything that is made visually. And it's so interesting to hear the reasons why everything is made and it's made with such passion, which trickles down to me. And I'm like, oh, so much passion. I love it. I am passionate about this job. So that's that pretty much so <laughs> cool. Like I can't yeah. even that's just it's so interesting, too, because we were doing some research before the episode, of course, and like on LinkedIn, it says that. Marvel only has like around 1,200 employees, which I was floored at. I mean, I don't know if that's accurate, <laughs> but that seems like such little manpower for, you know, such a big scale, you know, movies and shows like that just seems like such little amount of people. So it's so cool. They're really able to work like hands on on the creative side and kind of see everything come to flourishing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I actually had the pleasure of going into office for the first time uh, last week, and I think it was last week, but I saw the size of the office, and I met a handful of people, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, number one, I have coworkers. It's amazing <laughs> to know that they're real and they're existing, because I started during COVID, and I, I got a good sense of how much space is actually in the office and it's a healthy amount of space, but it's For definitely, sure. it's definitely not like multiple buildings. And yeah. um, like, like when you see the Microsoft or Apple or Netflix uh, studio buildings, it's definitely not like that. I think it's a good healthy size where you have enough space, but you will definitely run into people. For sure. Yeah. And we'll definitely get into the whole first day at the office um, later on, would you be able to also share more about like your specific personality and some of your passions outside of your career? Oh yeah, for sure. So my personality is I am fascinated by people, which makes my job a lot easier and it makes, um, it makes me really enjoy my job too. So I'm passionate about um, not only people and how they tick, but what makes them excel and what I can do to help them 
get to the best point of their careers or when it comes to their creative side. And I know a lot of people may only focus on that, but I also like to learn about people's weaknesses or their bad habits. So I help them overcome them. I help them over uh, troubleshoot them. Just any way to make sure they can come in and feel positive and confident and I got their back. Because like any relationship, I feel like you can earn each other's trust if you know about the person entirely and you still accept them and you're just like, hey, I know today may be like a really bad day for you because you told me about it the other day, but I'm here to help you with whatever you need. And just telling that to, even if it's not a coworker, if it's a friend, if it's a family member, if you hear anyone tell that to you, you, first of all, you come in that day feeling more confident and you feel like you got a great safety net and you're just like you know what I got this so I want to make people feel that way and when it comes to my passions personality I mean that's pretty much my personality and passions but when it comes to um, at work along with that I love making sure everything work-wise is up to quality yeah. um, because there's so much content out there existing whether it's an animation or video games or live action just making sure that um, it's always been my goal to make sure things are refreshing and original when they look at things. Um, and we can get into, I know we're going to get into it later probably, but one day I would love to be a producer. And a lot of that is quality control and building teams. And so I'm doing whatever I can to really work my way up to that. It will take many years, but <laughs> all I can do is take baby steps at a time. Um, but yeah, I got like more personality and passion outside of work, but I didn't know if you wanted to <laughs> touch on that too. Yeah, no, we'd love to hear. We always love to hear like outside of work because, you know, one of the goals of the podcast is showcase that you can find balance between work and play. You've got to oh, yeah. have the work is always going to be there and finding a career you love is really important. But then outside of that, you also got to learn how to take a step back from your work, take a step back from your career and like truly enjoy all the things that life has to offer that are outside <laughs> of a career. So, yeah, we'd love to hear what you do, you know, any hobbies you have. Yeah, of course. So outside of work. I really enjoy playing video games. Um, <laughs> and I think that everyone's like, oh, what's the COVID activity you picked up? That's my COVID activity, which <laughs> I have picked one. up. It's a, it's a great one because um, it's, it's been my goal to have a sharp mind and have faster reflexes. And video games have really helped me <laughs> work on that. Um, so I play games like League of Legends, Pokemon Unite, just anything that involves teams where you interact with each other and you work with each other. And um, anything that is refreshing or feels new in each game. And so that's something I love doing during my free time. And I play with my friends which we all communicate over discord they all have nine to five jobs too <laughs> so once once the clock hits five we're all jumping on discord and we're like okay it's game time and sometimes we do play different games but we just love interacting and talking to each other on uh, discord because it's such a healthy way to hang out with people especially during covid without potentially um crossing boundaries when it comes to like you know making someone in our friend group not feel safe because you know uh COVID 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 so for sure that's something I love doing outside of work I actually also used to foster kins a lot but I currently live with my parents so I'm waiting <laughs> until I move out and I get to foster kittens again that's um, so cute I have a cat myself she's currently 
uh, getting watched over by a friend because I'm about to go on vacation for my birthday. But I love cats. I also love dogs. I'm an animal person. I used to have like snakes and bearded dragons. Like I love taking care of animals. Um, and I love to cook. I love oh. yeah, a lot because when it comes to my job, it takes a couple years. De oh, de depending on the project, if it's a feature, a couple of years to see what you created come to a full end. But right. cooking is like, oh, you need only a couple of hours <laughs> and you can see something Fast you made. Fast gratification. It comes right away. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that's why I love cooking. And I would like to also think that in my past life, I was a barista because <laughs> I love making coffee too. So like coffee and sweets. <laughs> I, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but I say to my family all the time, I am convinced I was a baker in my past life and I'm a horrible baker right now. Like don't ever ask me to bake you anything or if I bring <laughs> something to your house, it's probably not going to taste good. But for some reason, I just find like comfort like in watching baking shows and being in the kitchen. Again, I can't bake. I hardly ever do. But for some reason, I have this like attachment with baking and like being a baker and like having my own little bakery or coffee shop. So I don't Aww. know. I also think that in my past life, at some point I was a baker, but um, a little tad bit of information there for listeners. Um, <laughs> well, super nice getting to know you a little more outside of work. And it sounds like, you know, your personality, your passions, they all kind of combine really nicely to create a space that fosters creativity, which aligns really well with your job. So I'd love to hear more about how you figured out this is what you wanted to do like, was there a moment that you chose this career path? And as you already mentioned, within, you know, Marvel Studios and DreamWorks, there's so many different departments that work on projects. So how did you choose, you know, this is the one department and one task that you were really wanted to work on? Yeah, so I actually did not discover this job. I didn't even know it existed until after I graduated um, from college, from my undergrad. It's, <laughs> I, um got an internship with Nickelodeon after I graduated and I discovered this position during my internship. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, why, why is the perfect job like <laughs> existing, like in front of my eyes? Why, why have I not learned about this until now? Um, Cause in my undergrad program, I actually worked um, on a degree to become an artist because I thought that's what I was meant to do. But um, at my internship, I learned about how there are two things I find really important when it comes to a job. Find a job you see yourself good at and find a job you see yourself enjoying because you're doing it from nine to five, maybe longer, mm -hmm. depending on the job. And as an artist, I thought I was very good at it, but I just didn't really enjoy it. I could not see myself just sitting there nine to five, just working, working, because I was always curious about what everyone else was doing. I was always curious about, hey, does anybody else need help? What are we doing? Um, and this job is perfect because it's an umbrella that, that covers everything. And you're very fully aware of what's going on and wrangling up the artists and making sure everyone's okay. Everyone has everything they need. And by artist, do you mean like actual animator? Is that like the the people who are working on the storyboards or like what was your educational background like? What type of courses did you take? Um, can you share a little bit more about that as well? Yeah, of course. So um, it depends on which department you work at because at studios, there's a storyboard department, uh, 
and animation department, lighting department. It, it depends on which studio you're, you're at, depend, um, if it's like live action or animation. And when it comes to production, usually they assign uh, production people to focus on each department. So for example, when I was at DreamWorks, I only focused on visual development, which was the stage where they were like, hey, we have that script and storyboard, uh, help uh, assist the artists who are creating the characters in the environment. And I just happened to be in the same department at Marvel. Um, I worked in production at a very small studio in Dallas called Brazen Animation. And because it's so small, I switched departments depending on the assignment or the project. So I actually worked on the animation sequences for Crash Bandicoot for the video game, which came out uh, last year in October. So I'm allowed to talk about it. And I worked in the an just with the animators, the people who were given these 3D models to puppeteer and move around. So for example, I just focused on that. And same company, but another project, uh, Riot Games, they are the ones who work with uh, Team Fight Tactics, which is a type of League of Legends game. They wanted a cinematic trailer. And I actually worked in every part of the pipeline for that, meaning from storyboard to them placing everything in the environment to animation to lighting to visual effects. Usually smaller studios will do that a lot for production. They will work up and down the pipeline and jump around. But with the bigger studios like DreamWorks and Marvel, you usually just focus on one department. Um, I hope that answers your questions. I know that was yeah. a very long answer. <laughs> no, it definitely does. I think it's just a job and a career that is so unfamiliar to most. And I think you mentioned it yourself, like you didn't even know this existed when you were in school. And so I just, there's so much to learn and there's so many different things that you don't know about either as a student or as a young professional who maybe want to enter this industry. I think something a lot of people are also curious about is, is there a portfolio you need? Or if you're trying to break into this type of industry, is there anything you can do to help build up work experience before landing a job at a studio? Oh yeah, for sure. So whether it's you're an artist or you are in production, one or the other, it's always good to have four things on hand. Your website, a LinkedIn profile, um, your resume, your cover letter. And if you're an artist, it's always great to have like an Instagram ac account to have all the extra art you make for fun. It really helps show your personality. But your portfolio is your like top content as an artist. Like this is the 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 cream of the crop, whatever phrase is used. I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, whatever you think is the highlight of your work. And when it comes to production, I make it, I made it very clear on my LinkedIn. Like, hey, I work in production management and animation, live uh, live action and video games. And in my portfolio, I do a little about me section and I post all the projects I've worked on that have already been announced. And luckily YouTube exists, so I'm able to just like copy and paste the YouTube links to say, hey, here's the, a video showing a project I worked on. And on the side, I say, I worked in this department specifically. So you could just post a project and say, I worked on this specifically. Because if you post an entire video without any context, anyone can look at it and be like, okay, what you do in this? Like, <laughs> Why is it just a video? So you want to get in the specifics like, 
I was a production assistant working with X amount of animators on this project. So if a recruiter's looking at it, they'd be like, oh, great. So I know what they did. And if I interview them, I can bring it up. Awesome. You want to set things up nice. So when a recruiter looks at it, they can ask you about it during the interview and they don't have to like pry information from you. So that is the type of portfolio I think production will need. Um, when it comes to artists, again, your best works, the biggest mistake an artist can make is if they apply for a job like lighting, if your portfolio doesn't have anything to do with lighting, why are you applying for that job? And that and that happens a lot with people who are freshly out of college, especially in programs where they don't know what their focus is, especially like if they want to do character design. So where they, you know, design characters, but I look at their portfolios and they're drawing uh, plants and chairs and doors. And I'm like, well, it looks like you're great at environmental design. Like you, it, like you're naturally drawing these things by instinct. You should totally shift your focus to that. And that happens a lot when I critique portfolios too. So just making sure when you apply for the job, your work is focusing on that job information and needs. We talk about it all the time in this podcast. I, I mean, I think that regardless of what industry you're in, LinkedIn is so valuable and can open up so many doors. But just as you said, if the information isn't there on your profile, no one's going to spend hours looking for it and then yes. contact you to learn more. Like you have to make it so easy for a recruiter or not even a recruiter, even like your friend, like pretend your friend has no idea what you do. They should be able to go to your profile and very easily figure out exactly what you do, how long you've been doing it, where you were before that. If you have a passion project that maybe you're working on a lot too, put that on there. Like you can put anything on your LinkedIn. It just has to flow nicely and be able to really showcase all of your highlight and highlight all of your strengths. And so I guess picking backing right off of that, what was the interview process for you like at DreamWorks and Marvel? And do you have any tips for anyone who's trying to recruit for these? big production studios yeah of course um so dreamworks i applied to be a production assistant and i was terrified i was not confident at all because i knew i was up, up against a lot of other people um and so the interview process was very daunting to me because i'm like oh my gosh i'm so new to the the big industry because dreamworks is such an amazing studio um, so I was very scared, but mm -hmm. I put on my big girl pants and <laughs> I practiced a lot and, um, and I ended up getting the job. And after that, I learned when it comes to interviewing with people, it's not about, it's not only about you wanting the job. It's about seeing if you like who you're talking to, if you like the project you're potentially going to work on it goes it's like a relationship it shouldn't be one-sided where it's like please take me it should be like are you good enough for me is this a job I want are you people I want to see every day and work with every day and I interviewed I think with five people at DreamWorks and there was this amazing manager I interviewed with and I just loved her personality and I loved her vision and I knew I really wanted to work at DreamWorks because she was there because she was just so insightful. So I made sure, like she was the 
person who was like, okay, I'm going to work really hard and get my act together, make sure I'm on my, I'm doing my best to with these interviews and follow up emails. Um, so that's what it was like at DreamWorks. When it came to Marvel, I was a little more confident. I was a little more comfortable. And I, that was the first thing I thought about coming in was like, is this going to be something I want? Is this something I'm going to be very passionate about? Because at DreamWorks, I thought about that near the end. But with Marvel, I came in thinking about that at the beginning. Um, and that made me a lot more confident when it came to talking with people. Because when it came to the conversations, I was, it, we were able to like laugh and chat about life and not make it so serious. Because when you take down that facade that they are these big wigs that which a lot of people think about when they interview when you take down that facade they're just human beings who have kids who are in relationships who probably play video games too <laughs> outside yeah. of work so um i that's what i did and made interviewing so much easier and i know that's more on how the interview process was like on my end versus on their end but when it came to Marvel, it felt like I was talking to friends and um, not, I mean, of course I love the projects, but when it came to the people, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, uh, our personalities really line up. I see myself with these people nine to five, even longer every single day. I really want this job. Um, so, and I ended up getting it. Congrats again. Cause I know this was also pretty recent. You only started at Marvel a few months ago, right? Yes, um, actually almost exactly a month ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, so congrats on that. That's very exciting. And I think it's definitely, especially coming out of you know college and a lot of our listeners are in university or just graduating and entering the workforce, it's really easy to get caught up in the interview process, interview stage in terms of like, like you said, putting these interviewers like way out of reach. Like they're not humans or managers like these scary people who are trying to trick us in the interview and you know don't want us to succeed which isn't the case at all they want they want to hire you they want you to join their company and it's so much Mm -hmm. easier to showcase your strengths and your personality which for most people like is what sets them apart from other candidates every single candidate who's interviewing has you know the degree that they need to work in this job and probably has the technical skills but at the end of the day like you said it's about are the personalities going to match and the more you're able to showcase who you are individually as a person I think has really made a difference even just like interviewing with people on the podcast it really makes for a more comfortable space and you really get a lot more out of the conversation even if you don't get the job you definitely learned a lot more made a new connection maybe down the road we'll be able to interview again and have a successful time like you know two or three times down the line um but do you have any tips I would say for kind of helping get past those first nerves in an interview and really highlighting, you know, your personality and your skills. Is there anything like specifically you do maybe before an interview it helps you get into that mindset? Um, I always talk or video chat because during COVID all recruiting is online or on video. So I would always call a friend. Well, I'll make sure they're awake and available beforehand, but I'll call them. Um, to make sure my video looks good, I look good, I sound clear, and we'll talk about goober fun stuff to just get my jitters out. I watched this, uh, I'm not a dancer, but there was this amazing video where this dance teacher was trying to teach this woman how to dance who's never taken a dance class before. And when she was trying to teach this woman the routine, she was so stiff and nervous, so the teacher 
put on like a hip hop song. It was like, okay, we're going to get your jitters out. <laughs> dance like no one is watching. And this woman was so confused, but she just started like crumping and like just started break dancing, even though she can't break dance. She was trying her best. She was just getting all like this like goofy dance moves, getting her jitters out. And after that, she was like, okay, I feel good. I just like totally embarrassed myself right now, but like, I feel like I can conquer the world. Um, and that's what I love to do before my interviews. I love to talk to my friends and I just get silly and I just like shake it out and get it out of my system. So when, and I'm like happy. So when I start talking to a recruiter or um, someone who could potentially be my direct boss, I'm already in a happy, like cheerful mood. Um, and I'm, it definitely comes across that I'm excited, which I am, but I'm actually showing that I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's not like overbeared by like nerves or overpowered by the nerves. That's really, that's really good advice. I think that I'm definitely going to use that for the next time I'm nervous. The next thing I wanted to ask is, is the production industry. And when we think of big companies like DreamWorks and Marvel, you know, as you mentioned in your interviewing, the culture was really great. Is there a competitive culture? And how does this kind of affect the creative process? Because I feel like from the outside, there definitely is, I guess, like a myth or misconception sometimes that it's really cutthroat and like everyone's out to get everyone. And it's really about like who you know in the industry. Um, So I'd love to hear your insights on what your experiences have been. Yeah, of course. When I was an artist in my undergrad, I think our, because you're working with a grading system, depending on which class you're taking or university or school you're attending when you have professors who are grading you and like showing the best work out there of course it's going to get competitive yeah um but at the end of the day when I uh I think by my senior year to my first year out there in the real world um I shifted to thinking like oh my gosh why are they trying to put us up against each other when we should be supporting each other and that's the thing all artists are unique and all artists have strengths different strengths and different weaknesses and I think an artist out there has the perfect job fit for them for example um, when I was an artist and I saw that there was an opening for like an animator I would message my animator friends and be like hey I saw this job opening you should totally apply for this like that's definitely not my field and even if it is something related to something I do if I have a friend who does the same thing I do I'll be like you know what like at the end of the day it's the it's up to the recruiters and the and the people who work at the company who's getting hired we should both apply for this and you, that's a very healthy mindset to have is to not be competitive because at the end of the day, you're wearing yourself down. You're yeah. not wearing other people down. You are you are the one who is adding that stress and intensity on you, in your brain. I grew up in a family as the youngest sibling. My older sister was always super competitive. And um, I learned to just come in wanting to have fun and just wanting to bond with people. So I wanted to apply that to my workspace um I hope that answers your question yeah <laughs> I think I'm definitely the older sister who's super competitive no I'm just kidding, <laughs> kind of, kind of. It, it's a thing it's a thing I get it I get it you know it really is I have so it's me my sister obviously and my little brother and it's so funny anytime there's any type of like TikTok or Instagram reel about oldest middle and youngest mm-hmm. it just fits us like a tea it's so funny um but in all seriousness <laughs> it is true like at the end of the day 
also everyone's path is different. Everyone's journey is different. And like, I truly believe that like everything that's meant for you is going to come to you as long as you're open to it. So, you know, there's room for everyone at the top. And I think especially as women, sometimes like we feel that we're always should be like on guard and like, you know, really everyone's out to get us. And there's always like so many, you know, conspiracy theories and we overthink so much, but I really think that it's way healthier and everyone enjoys everything so much more. And you have so many more opportunities open to you when you're just focused on yourself and just like supporting everyone around you. And yeah, I think it just creates a way healthier environment. And honestly, I feel like you'll be a lot happier if you have yeah, that Yeah, for mindset. sure. Yeah. And when I was at DreamWorks, um, I started as a PA and I came in and I talked to my team and I was like, hey, it's my goal to be a, a coordinator in under a year. I, I came in like being open and letting them know about my goals and at the same time I was like what are your goals what can I do to help you that's amazing Um, and that's that's how you build team trust and I think when you build that team trust it's so much easier to communicate especially when everything is communicated through email and or slack or whatever voice chat your work uses during a time of covid so I I personally love doing whatever I can to help my cohorts get to somewhere that they want to get get to. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes total sense. And I think that's such a amazing mindset to have. And I think if every single person walked into an office with the same mindset that you have, that we'd probably be a lot further than we are uh, at some companies. But, you know, going off of that, I'd love to hear maybe what your favorite and least p- favorite part of your role is. Ooh, so my... I'll start with my least favorite part of my role is is working remote. I yeah. I miss my people. I want to be in office. I mean, I was in office for one day, but only a small amount of people were there. But it's a bummer that I can't be in office and see everyone and be able to have those uh, hallway conversations. And that's a term where between meetings, where people are rushing to the next uh, meeting. meeting room yeah to, from meeting to meeting you bump into people and you're like hey uh person like how's your dog doing like how like what coffee did you get those small conversations where you really invest in other people can really help build that relationship with them and it's a bummer because uh working remote you're only clicking on a link to jump from meeting to meeting there you don't have those hallway conversations and i'm the type of person who will walk by a person's desk and i'm like oh my gosh like i love this poster you have at this desk like can you tell me about it of course i'll do it when they're obviously (laughs) available to talk i am socially aware when people are busy but when it seems like they're chill, they're lax, they're open for conversation, I will approach them and be like, hey, we haven't talked in a month. Like, how's it going? So that's what I really miss. Um, when it comes to my favorite part of the job, I love my direct supervisor. She is amazing, which I find really important at, at a job is um, building that relationship with your manager, direct supervisor, whatever the term is at your work location, because they're the ones who are mentoring you. And I was so scared at first because I didn't know who my manager would be. And I, uh, I met her or spoke to her over email a couple of days before I started. And I was like, oh my gosh, she seems like she knows what she's doing. She seems like an amazing leader. I can't wait to work with her every day. And I, I love sitting and listening to her, all of her wisdom. That's my favorite like favorite part about my job is having that relationship with her. Um, and even when she doesn't know what she's doing, 
which is a very rare situation where she's like, you know what, like, hey, Kelly, can you give me input about what you think we should do? She'll ask me for advice sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's asking me <laughs> for advice. I'm only but a commoner. Like, yes, I will. I would love to give you advice um, or like my thought about it. And she really listens. And she, and even if she shoots it down is like, you know what? Like, I think that's a great input. We'll put it on the back burner for now. Um, it, it, she's able to say it in such a nice and graceful way where I don't feel like poop at the end of the day. Um, and sometimes she's like, you know what? That is a great idea. Let's, let's initiate that. Let's do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. And so, yeah, the best part about my job is my relationship with my manager. That's so nice to hear. She definitely sounds like a trailblazer. Um, she is. So I love that. She's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Maybe we'll have to have you both back on the show for a follow-up episode well, together. I'll have to ask her about it. She was so pumped for me. Um, about this that's podcast. so good to hear oh yeah, i'm so happy to sure. hear um well it sounds like marvel and dreamworks have been really great companies for you to work at and i'm sure a lot of people who are listening might be thinking this sounds really cool maybe this is something i'd be interested in so are there a lot of business roles or opportunities in production space or you know is there space within production and like animation for business students or people interested in marketing for marketing i would say you it, de- it definitely depends on what project the studio is working at the best advice I can give is just keep looking at job postings there's actually this amazing spreadsheet I'm looking this up right now um it's a job this uh animator back in the day was so tired of jumping from website to website uh, to find jobs so he created this spreadsheet um, which I found on cartoonbrew.com, uh, which the title is, this spreadsheet is probably the best job board in the industry. <laughs> so if anyone wants to look at it, uh, that's where you can find it. And it's a spreadsheet where it has all the current job availabilities and openings, whether it's full-time, freelance, internship, all in one Amazing. spreadsheet, and it's always up to date. And this was my secret weapon. So I looked at this once a week whenever I was job hunting, and that's how I knew what was available because not all studios have the same exact exact job available because I don't even think Marvel has internships. I don't know. So uh, I haven't looked into it, but I never heard of it. No, that's a great resource. We'll definitely share that on our page as well. So thank you for sharing. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I had this uh, link bookmarked, and I – I had a time dedicated during the weekend to always look at it and see what's available. Even if it's not for me, I have uh, friends who are looking for jobs always. Um, So I'll send them the links and I'm like, yo, I know you do this. You sound like you're perfect for this job. And I'll send them that information. And I mean, I won't like send it to them randomly unless they have expressed to me like, Hey, I'm looking for a job. Um, But a lot of my friends are looking for jobs. So I'll, try my best to feel like yo I found this at this amazing studio that's like 30 minutes from you you should definitely apply so moral of the story is that everyone should be Kelly's friend if you're looking for a job (laughs) no no I love I love people unless they like are a little too aggressive about it I'm like okay chill like I just want to like watch Netflix right now but like um but yeah for sure I think that's literally the perfect segue into our next topic which is so I actually found Kelly through LinkedIn, which is where I find a lot of my guests. And she had posted that she had just 
accepted a new job with Marvel and I looked at her LinkedIn profile. I was like, wow, this girl's so cool. You know, she's worked with DreamWorks, Nickelodeon, different production studios. I didn't even know what a visual development coordinator was until we had this conversation. But, and I reached out to her obviously and, you know, she was so sweet and was got back to me right away. But I kind of was then following her journey and I started following her on Instagram. And then all of a sudden she, this post is just blown up. I mean, I think I looked at it yesterday. It had over 30,000 likes. So I can only imagine <laughs> how many like hundreds of thousands of views it got. And I know you've shared a lot on your LinkedIn about some spam and just the like inflow of messages that you've received. So were you expecting this post to get as much attention as it did? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. I actually have my social media apps all muted on okay. my phone when it comes That's to LinkedIn. Smart. Yeah, when it comes to LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Because I'm the type of person where if I see a notification, by instinct, I want to click it. Yeah, that's me. Um, I have yeah. to read it. <laughs> yeah. And so for work, that's great because when an email pops up for work, I could just immediately click it and immediately deal with it. But social media, it's the same way. So I'm like, okay, social media is not a priority. It is something yeah. that I can do. And I'm like, you know, either on my lunch break or right before I go to bed or I'm on the toilet, wherever your peaceful time is. And so <laughs> I, um, this is not a priority. Muting it has been such a grace for me to be able to focus on what's really important. Um, but no, I did not know it would hit that much. I thought I was going to get like 50 to 100 likes and maybe like a few like, way to go champ comments <laughs> and like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's my job update. Um, every day it, uh, so I would check my social media once in the morning, once during lunch and once at night, just whenever, like at my own time and at my own convenience. And it was oddly growing at a weird rate and I was like oh no like what is happening <laughs> um and so I think after five days it got to like 15 to 20 thousand and wow. I was like should I say something because I haven't answered anything because people a lot of people are commenting on it too and I kind of like to wait until there's like a mass amount because if I start answering all the comments right away that could either start new conversations or it could get really repetitive. So I just, and imagine like sitting in a room with a hundred people and you start a conversation with everyone, you're going to get overwhelmed and they're only talking to you. They're not talking to each other. They're only really talking to you. So I'd like to pick and choose the conversations that will keep me sane and that are, um, I find that, are popping out are very important. Of course, I want to talk with everyone, but there's only so much I could do as a human being. <laughs> yeah, no, it's impossible. And also, like you said, if they're asking the same question, you're just going to have the same conversation so many times and it's not going to be beneficial to you at all. What are your thoughts on how LinkedIn as a platform kind of doesn't really deal with this side of the platform? Or like, do you have any insights that you want to share for maybe other women who might be navigating the same issues? Yeah, so I am noticing a lot of people treating LinkedIn like Facebook, where they are literally updating their, or they're posting everything about their life on it. Yeah. And they are not being professional in the app. It's a business app. Like recruiters on there, your work is on there. And I like to treat it as such. If you want to pick up a date, if you <laughs> want to post about your, like, chihuahua or 
talk about anything like really personal, there are apps for that. There are dating apps, there are social media apps that are curated to post about your personal life. Please go there. Um, and this is my personal opinion. Like I'm not the ruler of apps. I cannot tell people what to do, but when it comes to a professional app, like I like to treat it professionally. Um, when it comes to the comments, so I, around the time when my posts were blowing up, I was getting maybe uh, 300 connection requests a day. I would wow. say, I, yeah, I would say I started off around like a thousand connections and right now I have 6,000. Like oh it, my gosh. That yeah, is crazy. Yeah. And I, and yes, I'm no, I will go in and I will accept everyone because I will give them the benefit of the doubt because for all I know, they could be my next best friend. They could be my next mentor. They could be an amazing person for all I know. And I want to give them a shot for a great relationship. But if they come in and start messaging me saying like, Hey, pretty lady, uh, can you go on a date with me? Or, Hey, can you give me a job? I'm just like, yo, I gave you a chance to be professional. You cross a boundary and there's, you can do two things. You can report the messages or you can block the account. And so I, depending on how inappropriate the message is, I will either, I will do one or the other because these are adults. These should be socially. This is not the time and place. This is not, it's honestly even still mind blowing that with the amount of like, apps out there and like social media has been around for so long the fact that this issue is even still occurring is just sad and unnecessary yeah I don't even know what to say it honestly (laughs) it's just it's one of those things where you just kind of look at it and you just kind of shake your head and you're like all right well you can't you can't win them all you can't you genuinely cannot especially when there's so many like hundreds and thousands and millions of people using the apps it's so hard to control and you'd think that everyone has the professionalism and the ability to use the apps uh, for their intended purposes. But, you know, we're grateful on the other side that LinkedIn gives us a platform to connect. But um, thank you for sharing kind of how you've been navigating that and hopefully it'll help anyone else who might be dealing with the same issue. I know we're getting to the tail end of the episode. But one of the things I want to ask, uh, just out of curiosity, is the entertainment production industry, is it male-dominated? Have you ever, you know, encountered any issues being a female um, or is it fairly equal, would you say? Um, I would say I'm, I'm processing. My brain is loading right now, not only because it's the morning, <laughs> it's, <laughs> but this is a very important question to me because um, – it is male dominated because of course men have been given the upper hand since the beginning of time for sure pretty much um but it's getting to uh i in this day of age it's getting to a point where uh, the majority of people are aware of the issue even the jobs and businesses um are very much aware that we do need more females in the industry and so they are doing their best to do that. So um, now that in my, in my situation or in my mind, I feel like the ball is now in a lot and the majority of the women's court where they need to gain their confidence now. Because if this was like 10 years ago, I would say, no, the industries need to definitely branch out to women more. But I feel like with social media 
and how people have spoken up, especially about like um, when a Me Too movement happened and businesses started saying like, yes, we need more women in the industry. It's gotten the spotlight and needed. But now women need to have confidence in themselves. And I noticed that especially with my with my LinkedIn messages, because the majority of my, I would say 92, which I don't know is a weird number. That just is the number I came up in my mind. 92 of the messages I have received have been from men. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, not that I like want it to be like that, but somehow men are just so comfortable with just messaging and getting behind their yeah. phones and messaging like that. And um and like one hundred percent of the women who have messaged me have been so professional. Like I wish women would message me more on LinkedIn. So if you are a woman who wants advice, message me on LinkedIn. Add me on LinkedIn, please. Um and so um there's a book I read that actually helped me become more confident in my job, especially as a woman in the industry called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office <gasps> 101. I haven't finished Dr. it, Franklin. but I started yes! this book. <laughs> yeah. I I know people can look at this title and be like, what? Like, like, why can't you be a nice girl? Like, I want to be a nice girl at the office. Like, you sound so bad not wanting to be polite at work. No, no, no. There's a difference between being respectful and confident at work versus being nice and a pushover at work. Yeah. Those are two different things. And growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was taught socially that women should be quiet. They shouldn't be competitive when it comes to like sports or games against males. You should only interact with females when it comes to sports. Um, and you shouldn't speak up about like your thoughts and opinions. But there's a difference between between like speaking up and being aggressive about it and speaking up and being respectful and confident about it. Um, so this book really, there's a quiz in this book where it shows you where your what uh, skills you're really good at and what skills you really need to work on. And I took the quiz and the skills that they told me I need to work on a lot of it was my wording and how I spoke, which makes sense because I was actually born with a verbal processing disorder. So I was born um, socially behind. Uh, so I read the book and I went over on specific uh, specific wordings and how to phrase things properly and how to interact with people a lot better. And that helped me figure out like, oh yeah, like this is how I should interact with uh, coworkers, with recruiters, and also with people um, in my personal life. So it was... I think it's a great book. I think it, not only women should read it, also um, men, because I yeah. was in a group project with people and I made my entire team take the quiz for this book. <laughs> and I actually sent them the chapters that uh, they needed to work better on. And it's not like a way, I, I did it in a way where it's like, hey, would you like to do this? Not like, you're. I'm going to force you to do this. Like, hey, do you want to work on what you feel like you do need to work on? And they were just like, oh, heck yeah. Like, help us out. Um, so I really recommend that book. Um, I would say for women out there, a lot of men that I've interacted with personally, a lot of them have applied for jobs they are super unqualified for, and a lot of them end up getting the job. Yeah. And a lot of women I've interacted with who are super qualified for a job have not applied for those jobs because they don't think they're good enough 
And anytime my female friends are just like, I don't think I'm good enough. I'm just like, dude, there's someone out there. It could be a woman or a man who have less experience than you qualifying for the same job who are probably going to get it because you are not applying for it. And I think you would totally get this job. Um, so that's my uh, wisdom about women in the industry is have that confidence, um, but also be respectful. Cause yeah, men definitely. Yeah, yeah, because men definitely have that confidence. The ones I've interacted with personally, I'm not saying all men in general, the men I've interacted with have had that confidence, but a lot of them have not been respectful. And yeah. a lot of women already have that respect. They just need that confidence. I definitely totally agree with everything you said. And I think there is 100% a fine line between being assertive and, you know, being too pushy and just being confident. But I just think it's a lot harder for females, especially to find that balance and really like find their voice in mm-hmm. whether it be their personal life or professional life. And I I know the stat you're talking about where it says like, you know, more women don't apply for jobs because they think that they're unqualified. And again, I think the whole thing goes back to like, just in our minds, we doubt ourselves so much. There's so mm-hmm. much self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really hard to overcome 100%. And it's not something that comes overnight. But I, I totally agree with you said. There's definitely a lot more opportunities right now. And it's really time for all of us women to, you know, really step up to the plate and showcase everything you can bring to the table and like really highlight your strengths. And yeah, it's it's really difficult. Obviously, there's so much that can be changed in the system. But I think just taking small steps and starting with yourself and making these small steps and encouraging, you know, fellow friends, peers, colleagues, classmates, whoever it might be to do the same is where we need to start. And that's one way today that like you as yourself can make a small impact. Yeah. I'm, I'm crying on the inside. It's all, it's also true. So, and I just want to do whatever I can to help women gain that confidence, whether it's like getting a cup of coffee or talking about their personal life, just whatever they can to get to the place they need to feel confident enough to get what they deserve. Um, and I hope like, thank you again for inviting me to this podcast because I hope my words can really reach someone or inspire them to really communicate with other female friends and just really work together. Of course. It was so fun chatting with you. And we'll end quickly with our last question, which is what is one piece of advice you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given that's really stuck with you? Um... The one advice I can give is that recruiters are not mind readers. Recruit and recruiters are the people you want to really win over. Um, so to to talk more about that is is something we actually talked about earlier. Is yeah. you need to give them everything to really set up set yourself up for success when it comes to an interview. I actually got my first PA job uh, because from someone, a recruiter finding me on LinkedIn. It, and what I did was on LinkedIn, I said, I am a, I want to be, uh, or I specialize in production and animation and I'm looking for a job. And I talked about all the software I've worked on. I've talked about my passions and a recruiter 
uh, at Brazen Animation messaged me on LinkedIn and they were like, hey, we see you do this. We actually need uh, a PA. Can you interview with us? And they would not have known that unless I was that specific. And a lot of people will just on their profiles in the industry just be like, I want to work on a movie. Well, cool. What do you want to do in the movie? Do you want to be the actor? Do you want to be an editor? Like you got to be more specific. So get on LinkedIn, be very, very specific about what you want to do and make sure that you connect with recruiters on LinkedIn or, or the people who have that dream job you want. So you can see how they post. A lot of them will post resources and job postings. You're in the loop. Um, and it's not like Facebook where when you add them on LinkedIn, it's super personal because LinkedIn is professional and the majority of people will say yes. Um, so you should go ahead and do that. Add those recruiters, find those job postings. That doesn't mean bombard them or message them on LinkedIn. I like to observe, see what they post and take advantage of those job postings they do post. And all the questions you have about the job posting should already be on that link, like the requirements. Um, so when you apply for the job, don't bother the recruiter and be like, hey, I applied for this job. Like they know they're going to get it on their end. Don't worry about it. So that is my best advice. And please be respectful for recruit, like to recruiters. Be respectful to everyone in general. But um, yeah, recruiters. Kelly, thank you so much for all of your insights and advice and sharing your journey and story. I'm confident that all of our listeners are taking a lot away from today's episode. So we thank you again for your time. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we will see you on next week's episode. Perfect.